0: We hear two stories today of transformation. This first is from the Hebrew scriptures and the second from Matthew's Gospel. The Gospel story's importance to the early church is apparent because the episode is also reported by Mark and Luke. The parallels between the Old and New Testament happenings are obvious, but the historical context might seem puzzlingly different. The experience of Moses, who climbed a mountain after waiting six days with his assistant Joshua, continues with Moses in isolation in a cloud. After 40 days and 40 nights, Moses came down. The Christian scriptures recount a seemingly parallel incident when Jesus, accompanied by Peter, James, and John, climbed a high mountain and was transformed. And the figures of elijah and moses appear and speak with jesus then jesus appears alone and with his three disciples descends the mountain in the old testament story moses climbed having already been informed that he would be given stone tablets containing the laws to be followed by his people the new testament episode obviously recalls the moses story The disciples recognize that, but the outcome is almost opposite. Moses tells his followers, everyone needs to know and follow what I am bringing. Jesus tells his companions not to speak about the event. The transformation of Moses seems designed just for that transaction. Christians believe Jesus' experience verifies his divinity. The law is the center of what happened to Moses. Jesus is the center of his transforming. And of course, the evolution of the two strains of faith follows exactly those emphases. There is the faith of the book, and there is the faith of the Christ. Jesus told his witnesses that only after his resurrection might they tell of his divinity. And Peter recounts the episode in today's epistle. Then he urges the followers of Jesus to be wary of developing interpretations of events and writings, not to depend on themselves. Instead, he advises that only the voice of the Holy Spirit can be relied on. There are no new tablets. Today we're being instructed to remember that once the people of God were instructed to follow a pattern of behavior dictated in every sense of the word by the creator. Then having remembered the old dispensation, we are newly instructed to lay aside the details of Exodus and live by the teachings of the Son of God. These stories have reinforced for me for many years, a crucial issue within our theology. And that is, what are Christians to believe about the details of the Hebrew scriptures? They were the Bible of Jesus. They established the binding force of the Jews of history. They are read at almost every service in the Episcopal church. And yet, Jesus in his last major teaching before the crucifixion, gives us two directives which he says, incorporate and summarize all the law and the prophets. All the law and the prophets, including presumably the words written on Moses' tablets. This divergence has of course elicited thousands of words and questions from priests, prophets, and preachers. And the church, capital C, has not clearly established the answer to these questions. But I admit, without any consultation with my ordained colleagues at St. Luke's, that for me, the words of Jesus must take precedence. I believe that the Episcopal Church has tried to put love God the creator and ruler of the universe and love other people as much as you love yourself at the heart of our theology. The Hebrew writings offer the binding structures and history of God's people. The gospels are the basis of our lessons and our preaching on the new dispensation, and the epistles are the strong source of examples of ministry and practical Christian behavior. The details of the Hebrew scripture are no longer the law for most Christians. To cite only a few perhaps obvious rules, We eat shellfish and pork. We can work without heresy any day of the week. We can wear a cotton blouse with a wool skirt. These are all bits of minutiae, of course, but they all violate the explicit teachings of the Jewish text. And they might help us realize that we do not hold in such sacred trust the rules of life laid out in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. The Ten Commandments are still valid in our faith and even in many ways the civil law, but the whole of these regulations is no longer our specific commandment. I confess that this stance is not popular among many groups who consider themselves Bible Christians, some of whom seem to believe that every sentence in the King James translation of scripture was spoken by God. And many adversarial encounters can be traced to the citing of chapter and verse by those believers and branches of Christ's followers. I personally have gone through the sting of separation from a family of cousins over my personal life. They cite the Torah for their definitions of my sins, not the least of which is my ordination to the priesthood but I give thanks that our church is able to offer the basic belief that the teachings of Jesus himself supersede those specific detailed rules. For the establishment of God's special relationship with God's creation, the Hebrew Bible was essential, a necessity for the safety and cohesion of the earliest believers. Today's readings show us the holiness of God's word. The rules Moses brought down the mountain offered the rules of existence for a small tribe in a hostile world. The gospel event demonstrates most vividly the holiness of Jesus, and it clearly tells us that there is a new and different plan. What he commands is stated simply, yet simple does not mean easy. The ten thou shalt not. Are replaced by the two thou shalt. And it is for Christ's positive widening of the doors of salvation that I give thanks. Amen. Amen.